Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. Politically wise, I got pushback. But as far as local support, people supported it and people knew that this was going to bring tax dollars into Brooklyn that was going to help the schools, help the roads, and help fire and police as well. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Canna Mom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. I always imagine like cheering and stuff. Okay, welcome back. <laughs> I always get to take a little bit of shock. Do intro. What do you think, Dave? I'm sorry, I, didn't, I couldn't hear you above the applause. Oh, I, I, the above the applause? Yes. <laughs> How do you feel about the new intro? I feel like I'm with Josh every day now. I like, like it. On. Yeah, I like it. It's funkier without being too over the top. And those those guitar hands are magical for sure. Yes, he's got he's got good fingers. All right, so we have a great local mass story. I love telling local stories today. But before I jump in, I just wanted to share a very exciting news I had. I was on a group meeting last night with a woman named um, Dr. Bridget Williams of Green Harvest Health in Ohio, and she is putting together or collecting stories of women across the country to get an anthology like a real book that's going to get published and I might write a chapter. Oh, cool. Which is so exciting, right? Yeah. So what would your chapter be about? About me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody kind of tells their own story in this book, it sounds like. So you're, it would be my can, my can of story. Can of story. Um, yeah. she's, cool. she's calling it Courage in Cannabis. So I will keep you all posted. It could be out at the end of the year, early next year. I've always wanted to be an author. I don't know if everyone knows this. I'm a secret writer. So mm. this is the most exciting thing that happened to me all week. Very good. 
I can't wait. Thank you. All right. And then I just, I want to thank Women in Cannabis Expo and Brooke Westlake. It was a great event in Reno, and I am so happy I got to participate, right, Dave, from our meeting, Brooke, last week? Yes, of course. Or a couple of weeks ago, yeah, yeah. It was awesome. So I'm definitely, it's going to happen again. I hope to be there again. And Women in Cannabis Expo, thank you for sponsoring our kickoff show of season three. All right, we are having a guest here from Massachusetts, and I love local stories. On today's show, we are speaking with a local Massachusetts businesswoman who is breaking barriers in cannabis. Today's guest has a story that proves one person can make a difference at a local level with persistence and knowledge. She is the founder of Legal Greens Dispensary in Brockton, Massachusetts, which began with her journey as an economic empowerment applicant who has firsthand knowledge of how the war on drugs impacted her community, and she has a strong belief that cannabis can be the way to heal. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, Vanessa Jean-Baptiste of Legal Greens Dispensary in Brockton, Massachusetts. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. We're so happy to see you. So Dave and I both grew up in Sharon, or Dave actually lives in Sharon. So we are very familiar with Brockton, but not everybody I know is. Can you just sort of describe your community before we start talking so everyone knows where you're coming from? Brockton is one of the cities in Massachusetts. It's like 20 minutes away from Boston. We're known for having an industrial shoe company, so... We're here. Yes. Right there. All right. So, so, you know, you're in cannabis, but you have a connection to the criminal justice system in a good yeah. way, not in a, not <laughs> yeah, in a way that wasn't, you know, part of the system. So can you want to talk about how that started? Because now you're on the other side and you work with lots of political people. So this is an interesting journey for you. Yes, you know? I actually have a bachelor's in criminal justice. I've worked in probation offices and I've worked in jail facilities in Massachusetts. So, so I kind of know like firsthand on how the war on drugs affects people and how it affects people once they are released from jail as well. So you've seen the very negative side of all of this and which means you're coming into this business a little bit differently from a lot of the, um, well, definitely different from the medicinal in Massachusetts because medicinal was seed to sale. So that was a specific cohort of people who come in and you're coming into your community after the war on drugs and convincing people that this is going to be great. So um, how did your parents feel about this? They were your first generation American. And how, what did they? My parents definitely weren't on the same boat with me. They thought that this was bad. They thought that I was crazy and this wasn't what I went to school for. Now that I'm open, they definitely see it in a different light. They see that this could be beneficial to the community and beneficial to like our family as well. No longer. And where, where are you, you know, where you, where are your family from? Where they, um, they come from? Haiti. They were actually okay. born and raised in Haiti and they came in their twenties to America. And how do they, um, so how, again, so you're coming into this, you have a criminal justice background. They think you're going a certain direction. You're doing your work and you say, how do you even say this to them? Mom, dad, this is, um, <laughs> I'm just changing careers. <laughs> I'm changing careers. I'm going in the marijuana industry. My mom looked at me like I was crazy. And my dad like yelled at me and told me, no, don't do it. Are you crazy? It's too political. You're not going to get anywhere, blah, blah, blah. And now that they see persistence, they see how, how hard work goes and we're open and we're flourishing in the city of Brockton. Yeah. So I, I talk about this a lot because I like municipal law and it's very local law. It's local rule here in Massachusetts and especially in cannabis because you have to go before your local boards to get permission basically before you can even go before the cannabis commission. Yes. So so I, I know what these meetings are like. You are a woman of color. You're an immigrant family. You're in this city. Just kind of talk about what the process was to go before a board of people who may not have been willing to 
acknowledge that cannabis is a real industry, first of all, and that you, a young woman, are the person to tell them about it. How did that kind of work out in Brockton, Massachusetts? It definitely didn't work out well in the beginning. I definitely had to talk to the mayor about it, and the mayor definitely didn't um, see me as a candidate. He had other people that he seen as a candidate, and unfortunately, I went through, when I learned about that, I went to the news, I spoke out to other city councilors and stuff, and he actually had passed away. And when he passed away, a new city councilor came in, which was the first African-American in Brockton to be elected. And he strictly opened it for social equity and economic empowerment. So that was the way for me to be able to get my license to be able to go to the state. Because if you don't have a host agreement with that city, you cannot complete your license with the state. What, what year did you start your I got my economic empowerment in 2018. I finalized my application with the state late of 2019. And we were able to open this year in March. Right. So when, okay, so you're going before the Brockton board and what are they, are there other applicants coming in who want to open up adult use? What's who's, who's with you? Yeah, who's, there, yeah. there was other people that, that actually got the host agreement from the previous mayor that were a long way ahead of me when I put my application in, but because I had social, I was the economic empowerment that gave me priority once I put my application in the state. So that priority made me be the first one to actually open in Brockton compared to all the other people that had their applications in their state months before I even completed mine. And is Brockton, are they having a limited number of adult use? How are they, how are they managing this? And were they kind of making it up as they're going along, like while you, while you were in front of them? (laughs) Basically, because at first it was eight. And then once we actually started going through the process, they changed it to 14. So that's a lot. That's going to be a lot to open in Brockton. And, and are there a lot of restrictions about where they can be far from schools, near parks? Yeah, 500 yeah. feet away from schools, certain feet away from each other, five, 300 feet away from another dispensary. But you could be around churches, schools, I mean, around churches and playgrounds, but not K through 12. Okay. And where so you're located, you're in the downtown area, right? Can you just talk about yes, what, where your location looks and how, you know, I've been there. I used to work in the court system, so I kind of get a sense of what that community is like. So talk about what you're bringing in and, you know, how you found that space, I think. We're actually one of the few companies that are in the downtown area. The downtown area is starting to revitalize because before it was kind of like a forgotten area. So we're one of the few people that first came into the area. We fixed the whole building. We revitalized the streets. Every time people drive by, they always say that they liked what we did to the building. How big is your building, Vanessa? How big is it? How big is your space? We took two units. We have 25,000 square feet. 2,500. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, 25,000 big. That's a warehouse. That's where you grow. So, yes. <laughs> so that's a pretty big, that's, that's like my house. <laughs> yeah, our vault is pretty big. That's what a lot of people say when they come to our store that when they do deliveries that we have a really big storage room for product. So when you and come in, like, yeah, go ahead. I'm just I'm trying to think. So, okay, so you're coming in before the board. They were a little confused. They were a little concerned. And I kind of joked that people were making up stuff as they're going along, but they kind of were, honestly. So can it's you a just... new, it's a new industry. It's something yeah. new. A lot of people don't know what's going on. So you got to just roll with it because at some point they knew that what was going on with the city and how like it was only a certain amount of people that were allowed and it wasn't like opened out to the public that they had to like switch it and make it more equitable for everybody so that's why they switched it from eight to 14. Yeah so I mean I'll say I'm in Cambridge we have our own social equity issues we still haven't opened an adult use yet so uh, again this this is a national issue 
that is yeah. state specific and so localized, right? It's kind of an interesting thing. So you're there in Brockton, you got your space, you opened up your adult use. Um, what was the, you know, the people around you? I know that here in Cambridge, you have community meetings and things. What was the impact or the process you used to convince people that this was a great thing or engage with your community in a way that made it feel very comfortable? More so, a lot of people knew that this is what Brockton needed because they needed the tax dollars for it. So I didn't really mm-hmm. get a lot of pushback in the community. It was just okay. more politically wise, I got pushback. But as far as local support, people supported it and people knew that this was going to bring tax dollars into Brockton that was going to help the schools, help the roads and help fire and police as well. So you didn't really get a lot of pushback once you got the... No, I didn't. So you're actually... I was so just more so... Yeah. What? You, you, I mean, you are, I mean, you're like a unicorn. Like I keep hearing horror stories across <laughs> the country of what happens to especially black women in this industry, because it's, again, I talk about women in the industry, black women in the industry, all the things are always, it's always about, you know, a lot of it is about capital. So again, um, this is a very expensive industry. There's a lot of regulations, is, a lot of paperwork. Is. And who did all your paperwork? Did you have to hire a team? I How actually did, that work? did all the paperwork. Yeah. So that was something that like with our team, a lot of people, we just were made up with three people and everybody just focused on what they focused on, what they're good at. So I more so do the administrative work. So I did the paperwork. I did the application. My partner, Mark, when it came down to doing the, the contracting and doing the build out, that's what he did because he went to school for contracting and building construction making so that's his forte so he was the gc on the project and then our other partner mike he's an attorney so he more so dealt with the paperwork and having like we had family and friends that invested into us and the way that we had that work was when we first started the process there was a company named theory wellness that did this whole social equity oh yeah let's talk about, let's let's talk about theory wellness because this is one of the yes. issues with social it's a lot of it's capital and how do we get people who are who have a foundation already or have some substantive capital who can help the community so what were they doing with you and how did you get connected they just put out an article saying that they were helping some a company that was social equity or even okay, can you just say can you just talk, i'm sorry can you just talk a little bit who who um they are just so people know who you're talking about theory wellness is a medical company and they're a recreational company they are multi-state right now they're in maine and i think they're working in trying to get in new jersey but they did a program where they put out an article that they were just looking for one company that was either social equity or economic empowerment that they were going to offer a hundred thousand dollars to go through the process. And then once they opened $150,000 worth of product and they were going to be like a sponsorship. So we applied for that and we were one of the people that were chosen to do their interviews. And after that, six people that they chose to do an interview and we were actually chosen for that, um, that grant. So with that, yeah. And that's huge because with that money, we were able to go through the city process, going, getting architects, the engineers, the lawyers, and all that stuff because where we chose in downtown, but downtown only wanted it in either Brockton wanted it in the downtown area, either on the second floor or in the basement. And the property that we chose was actually another Haitian owner that I didn't know him before we started this process. Just talking about to other people about how I wanted a property in downtown. I was just connected to towards him. And we couldn't do it in the basement. We couldn't do it on the second floor. So with our attorneys and with the funds that they provided for us, we were able to be granted to use it on the store store front level. So with that, that's how we were able to bypass some of the, the laws with the Brockton to get how we actually 
needed it to go through as a social equity company because we couldn't afford to do all those major upgrades like other multi-companies can. So with those funds, we were able to get city approval. And then with city approval, we were able to get provisional. And once we got provisional, that's where Mike was able to get family members and our friends to be able to put little sums of money to be able to open our store. But it wasn't like everything all at once. It was more so lumps here and there, a thousand here, two thousand there, to where we were able to to open. Well, that's... (laughs) I mean, I just, I gotta say, I mean, I hear a lot of these stories of persistence and the capital issue is really a big one and that you were able to be able to find that the the money just to begin with the foundational money is really impressive. And I hope Mm -hmm. across the country, more um, businesses will do this or work this way, because again, this has to be a bigger collective. We have to build a different kind of, we literally have to build a different kind of business culture. That's what I think I'm hoping. A community, really. Yeah. So this idea that, you know, setting you up doing this thing and and the issue with cannabis a lot of it is that you actually have to hold on to your space how long were you holding on to your space before you could even open he was actually using it it was a barbershop and a laundromat so mm-hmm. he was utilizing that property so we didn't really have to pay him for oh, it wow. until we started the build out process that's when we actually started paying rent but so that time and that's why it's like there's ways to go about it you just really have to like finagle your way through and like figure out ways because my partner mark he he he's a really good deal setter and that's how we were able to get a lot of things because he he likes to talk and he likes to set deals so tell me i mean is this true okay so you talk about this is business it's like you know it's cannabis specific but it's business like anything else so just tell me about your team how you guys got together you know what your vision was and I just what how did this work together because it sounds like you had a good um, symbiotic relationship that everyone needed to do what they needed to do yeah it it worked it worked out me and my partner Mark I've known him for a long time we grew up with each other and one day he just told me he wanted to start a marijuana business and from that I started to see certain things about the industry and it was just like oh okay like I guess let's I'll entertain it and then from that point this is while you're working got, what, this is while you're doing your other job or is this while you're in college yeah Maybe. I actually had a I actually was working at Brockton Public Schools okay and from that I met Mike at a marijuana event and I thought he was so cool because here's this like white guy that smokes weed and he talks about marijuana and I was just like I've never seen that in my life so I <laughs> I I interned with him and then from interning with him I got to know him and from then on we he actually ran for like tried to run for DA in Suffolk and I actually tried to help him with that and then um, all right I just I gotta back up on that because I okay I'm an attorney Dave's an attorney and this whole thing the idea that a district attorney and people don't understand how much power district attorneys have especially over drug convictions and enforcement and all this stuff so to have a district attorney are out there talking about this in a very positive way and this is still a couple years ago right yeah, this was in 2018, 19. No, 2017, 2017. Yeah, yeah. so it is a couple of years ago. You know, cannabis years are like dog years. So each year is like seven years. So that was a long time. <laughs> so that was a long time ago. But the idea that a, a person would be out there talking about this because it has, this is the truth. But that's mm-hmm. really, um, it's oppressive because it, again, district attorneys have so much ridiculous power. They could change the entire trajectory on this stupid war on drugs if they just made some better decisions, especially around cannabis. Especially yeah, now. had he won being a DA, it probably would have been different, but he didn't win. <laughs> and now we're Maybe happy, you're happy. on a company, so yeah. it works. Right, so, so you have Mike, and who's who's your other partner, you said? Mark. And Mark, and how, and yeah. so it's Mike and Mark, and uh, yeah. 
did they know each other before? Or is this sort of something you built no, together? No, I knew Mark and we had met Mike at a marijuana event. And then okay. from then on, I interned with him. And then from there, he like represented people in our family. We've had him represent a couple of things. So it's like, he's like intertwined with us. Like we're, we're, we're really good friends. We like to smoke weed and stuff. We're, we're good friends. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we so became, you we became a whole family. So it's, so you've had this, I mean, this is an interesting journey because this isn't sort of the typical way that people open up, I don't know, any business really. I don't know. Yeah. Cannabis has got its own like weird specialty. Everything has to be specialized. So do you want to just talk about, you know, I talk a lot about spacing and how people feel comfortable or don't com- feel comfortable walking into spacing. Can you just describe like what your place looks like? What was your idea behind it? You know, and, and what else are you doing for the community? Because I know every cannabis dispensary has to do something special for their community. And I'm sure you're doing something good. Yes, in our space, we wanted to, we didn't want it to be like a medical field. We wanted to be more of like a a chill, relaxed vibe. So we have more of um, industrial feel and like a modern feel and very clean, very nice. As far as what we're doing with the community, we, well, before we opened, we started doing workshops where we were teaching people how to a fill out an application with the state how to start a marijuana business and how to start a marijuana business in Bro- uh, how to start a business in Brockton period and then now that we're open we are actually going to do our first expungement clinic on Friday and we just want people that are local in the community that have records that they would like to seal and for them to get more information on how to seal it and Mike's an attorney and Michael. Oh, so talk, can you talk a little about that? Where is it? I mean, it's going to be, when this airs, it'll be afterwards, but just like, what is it that you do and how do people get connected to you for something like that? That's probably really important for people. To um, know. We have, and our email is at info at legal greens. They can contact us at Instagram, legal underscore greens, or they could always stop by at the store. We have information there on our clinics and we plan on doing more clinics as well in the community because that's really big because Brockton is one of the areas that have been disproportionately affected by the war on drugs and I know how it is to be wanting to get a job and to just do a quarry and that comes up on your record regardless if it's dismissed or not it still shows and it's and and again if we want to change the culture we have to sort of change the idea why these people had an incarceration record in the first place you know I I think expungents are really interesting I mean it's a really good process and it's really good to connect it together I don't know. We have to dismantle this whole stupid narrative together. So I love that. So you know a lot about Brockton city politics and you know a lot about opening a dispensary. And you said you've been teaching this, right? So I don't know. Could you, it's such a big industry. Massachusetts is a little bit ahead of other states. I don't know if you're doing any speaking engagements, other places. I did see you on the Elevate event luncheon a couple last month. I can't remember. But yeah, so I did see you there. What is some of the advice you're giving to people now that you're sort of on the other side and you're in the business and you're not just having this dream of opening one? I would say don't give up, be persistent, always contact your city councils because that's what they're there for. They're there to represent local residents and you have to call them out. Like as as long as I know people don't like to do that and they feel uncomfortable about it, but as a city councilor, you're supposed to represent and as a mayor, you're supposed to represent your city. And if you're only representing a certain amount of people, that's not fair. So it's really putting people on blast but not like but then it's also doing the work as well it's one thing to complain but then you have to do the work as well you have to show them that your business plan is on point and that 
you know what you're talking about when it comes to this marijuana business, that you have a location, that you have some type of substance, because it's one thing to complain, but it's another thing to not have anything while you're complaining. So as you're complaining, you have to do the work to show that you are what you say you are, because people don't take you serious. Yeah, no, that's no, I mean, again, it's this is business advice. This is just sort of solid. That's good life advice, actually, like show up people, if you want to change something, show up. And that's literally what you did, right? You would show up at meetings. And I mean, I know you got some press. (laughs) Sorry? I said I would voice my concern. Yes. Okay. I like to go to meetings. Righteous indignation is my favorite emotion. I used to be, I ran for a political position in Cambridge. So this whole idea of like showing up at a meeting is so important because they don't hear that many voices. And often it is just the people complaining Mm -hmm. without an answer. You know what I Mm -hmm. mean? So I don't know. Was this in your ballywick before? Like, how did you get the um, guts to kind of go up and talk like that? Or is that just kind of how you are and you found your place as an advocate? (laughs) I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I never had an issue talking. <laughs> Especially if I knew that what I'm saying is right. I, I, I don't have it. I'm not going to bite my tongue because I know that I'm not the only one that has that issue. If I'm if I'm having issues and I'm this educated person, imagine somebody that's not as educated as me trying to do it. It's just it's just not fair. I'm always going to stick up for the little people. Go. Amen. <laughs> That's good. All right. So again, <laughs> local politics, people get all concerned about stuff we can't impact at all at this big level. But here, show up at your town meetings, you know, go to a school board committee. If you have a concern about something, you know, go up and say the concern, but give them a solution to something that's reasonable yes. and something that can help um, address some of the issues. And I know Brockton, you know, has I, I know the community Brockton's had lots of different issues in the past. And to build by a community, you need a strong foundation. And honest to God, you, cannabis can be one of these can be part of the solution and you're you're out there fighting for it so that's great i believe it too <laughs> i do too all right so that i haven't really talked about your personal story and cannabis so what was your relationship how you know my relationship with cannabis was i thought it killed brain cells and i was afraid of it and i had an awakening <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what was your relationship with cannabis before you got into the industry and did you actually understand it or did you learn more about it once you got into the business um, I've always indulged in marijuana for a while. So with that, it was just more so seeing how it was in California and how it progressed into this mainstream thing. And when I seen it happening in Massachusetts, I was just like, this is something that could really like change people's lives. And I actually tried to go into it in the medical process, but that you have to have to even start, you have to have a half a million dollars. Right. In assets. I did not know anybody that had a half a million dollars in assets. So I had to pump my brakes more. So learn more about it. When they were doing the CCC meetings, I would go to them. I would not more so voice my concern, but more so listen to what other people had to say about it and listen to what the commissioners had to say about it. So I could really have an understanding of, is this really for me or is this more so for the multi-million dollar companies that are in each so, and every state. I mean, do you think your presence, I mean, I think this is interesting. So, you know, I've met all the commissioners and, you know, they have their own perspectives, each come from it, from a dis- specific space. So do you feel that like your own, your own, just you're taking up space there and talking to them and being there has impacted how this is sort of moving forward? Cause you were giving it, I mean, you were voicing your, you were there, you were listening yeah, and talking. I yeah, I do. I do. Cause even when it came to the delivery portion of it, when right. everyone That's had big. their issues and stuff, I actually spoke my concern and I had given a a solution because with one of my issues that I had when I was going through the city is I would say that I'm qualified, I'm qualified, 
but they knew that I had to go to the state first before I could really be qualified. So my thing was, is do something where you could be pre-approved with the state. And then with that pre-approval, you could go to the city and say, the state already pre-approved me. So pre-approve me, (laughs) give me what I need. Right. So I, that, and I seen that they did that. And I was just like, Oh, Oh, well, see again, (laughs) one person, again, this is, it's a very, that's very reasonable. And, and part of the problem why people get caught up in this conundrum with the local issue, the local municipalities making stuff up and having people fight against each other is because nobody has approval from the, you know, cannabis committee. Like nobody Mm -hmm. knows what's going on. It's just this Mm kind of like weird game of like, I don't know, favoritism, like old school favoritism. (laughs) Yeah. I just, that's great. Look at you making a difference. All right. Um, Coming up a little bit, we will be back with today's guest, Vanessa Jean-Baptiste of Legal Greens Dispensary in Brockton, Massachusetts, after I give a quick shout out, I guess, or thank you to the Women in Cannabis Expo for supporting our first month of season three. Like I said, it was an awesome event out there in Reno. Ever been to Reno, Dave? I've never, <laughs> I've never been to Reno. No, the, I'm sure. <laughs> I've been to Vegas, Reno's, Reno's older brother, but you seem to have enjoyed yourself. It was great. And we got to see my daughter in Arizona, which was awesome. And now we're back. And I just want to give one more shout out to my new favorite product, Head & Heal. They have been giving us a great deal. So if you want to find out, if you want to get a free bottle of one of the Head & Heal CBD products from upstate New York, these are great products. I keep talking about them. They work. They are easily labeled. I can understand what the dosing is. They have giving an exclusive offer to the Canna Mom Show listeners, well, actually subscribers to our newsletter, where you can get a, a bottle free just because you listen to us. So go subscribe to the website and get your product and see how much I love it. You'll see why I love it because it's so great. So that is my quick shout out to Head and Heal. All right, let's get back to the interview. Let's talk about Okay, so Vanessa, you said your parents weren't really into this. They were um, a little concerned, but we all know why it's so important, this plant, right? So why do you think it's so important to change people's minds about this plant? And how do you, I mean, like the bigger picture, I know you're working there in Brockton, but I'm sure you're you're a big picture kind of person. (laughs) How do you see this? I know at one point it's going to be federally legal. And I'm actually looking forward to that because I want to see how, third world countries are going to do in this federal federally illegal market because with the third world countries i know like with haiti we at some point they were making money off of like the cocaine market and now that that is not like possible anymore it's like people are, are hurting and they they have soil that could grow good flower and like not just flower but like soil it to grow anything so it's just like if that was something that to, that they are able to do i feel like a lot of third world countries will be able to provide for their their communities and get out of their third world state oh my god i've literally never heard anyone say that that makes so much sense i mean like think of it because okay people know it's it's good for the soil we all talk about that hemp specifically to have like plants and plants of this i don't know anything about haiti's agricultural system (laughs) but you're saying it's good for growing this and it's oh wow so where are they in the status what is what is haiti's status of cannabis it's illegal it's it's, okay is there (laughs) there any like once other other states go i mean once america actually like has a whole like understanding of what it is i know slowly but surely other places will opt into what they're doing well i just i mean i do think this is going to save the world i mean it's part of the you know part of it part of the solution and again i don't really i literally know nothing about agriculture or the human body really but i talk all the time (laughs) and 
the idea that this is really a healing, this plant is a caregiver, like we are. I talk about how, you know, we're crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregiving, and that this plant is a caregiver of everything, of us and our our, our soil and our planet. It's amazing, right? Hemp will be huge, because you could do so much with hemp. So much with hemp. Yeah. It, would, it would be so huge. Are you, so I, I'm, this is like, I'm almost done, but <laughs> let me tell you a little bit. Where's your store located? Can you actually give the address? And you can, can you talk about some of the product? Can you talk about products on air? I don't know how this works. Yeah. yeah um, okay. So <laughs> tell we're me located, yeah. <laughs> we're located on Pleasant Street, close to downtown Brockton. We have flour, gummies, chocolates, tinctures, salves, anything you can think of. We where, rotate where, where, our... Where, where are you getting your supplier stuff across the state um, a lot of them is coming from theory we okay. do a lot of work with cure leaf you know we have to deal with some of the multi-state operators because they do give us a good amount of flour with other stuff so right you gotta you know you gotta yeah, yeah. deal with it yeah yeah <laughs> but we we try to deal with a lot of local people we have cac that we deal with we have what else who else CamCon that we deal with okay so we're trying and then do you doing um do you, are you doing like workshops for like how to integrate this into your life? Are you working with any nurses or doctors or any of that stuff going on in your, uh, I know um, you're, not a, you're not a medical facility, but you're. No, we're yeah. not. But we are with our expungent clinic that we're doing. We have Dr. Uma coming oh, Dr. to Uma, yeah. our facility so she could talk about the benefits of the, I, even though we're not medical, we still like, there's a lot of people that come in for medical right. issues. So we could have her speak to them and speak to our bud tenders as well on what ways to not make it medical, but like how to help if people that come here for issues that they want results yeah, the, from. Their I wellness. mean, the bud tenders, that's so important, like how they interact and what they know. And it is, I mean, it, I think adult use, it's all medicinal to me. I mean, not, yeah, it's medicinal. It's all, everyone's using it for at some level, you know. At some okay. level, exactly. Oh. All right. So our time is up thank you so much that was a great conversation and i will hopefully be down in brockton soon and maybe dave will check you out too because he's right around the corner please do we're here seven seven days a week eight to eight all right i will stop by yeah that is hop skip and a jump for me (laughs) thank you so much so thank you today to my guest vanessa john baptiste what's the best way for them to get in touch with you info at legal greens is the best way to get in contact with me or instagram Uh legal underscore greens all right, we'll be checking that out in the show notes. Um, and my Canna bro, David Yaz, and our Canna mom show team, Catherine and Hayden, a great another week. And I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canna mom show, where we are talking about caring for even give, and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one can of story at a time. Thank you for following and subscribing and sharing all the amazing Canna stories of the women building this new industry. So together, we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregiving. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Canna Mom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humiston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. 
Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.